had a, a friend of mine. Um, I actually shot him the Stand for Israel uh, audio that, that we pulled from a conversation. And he texted me back and just was asking me about uh, he's been really studying the A-L-I-Y-A-H, or I think it means ascent um, when it comes to the Jews, you know, coming back into the land, I believe, something like that. And to be honest, I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about it um, and all that. So I just thought I'd throw it at you guys and just see, you know, uh, what what is it and, you know, just get, get, get just some of you guys that might know about it, just kind of get you to, to break it down for me a little bit. But just wanted to throw it out there and ask the question of what is it and, you know, is what's its relevance, you know, to the worldview that we have, that we hold to and the biblical worldview and things like that. So anyway, I just wanted to ask you guys and, and, and get your thoughts. Hey, Richie. I uh, just wanted to kind of touch base on that real quick. Uh, making Aliyah is essentially just going back to the homeland. Um, there are, and really have been very few Jews who have done so um, historically and in the last I guess 70 years now. Um, just very few, very few Jews have done so, but I don't know that it's anything more extremely, much extremely deeper than that. They, uh, you've got Jews that are going home, going back to the homeland. And so that's what, uh, typically today is discussed as making Aliyah, uh, sending back to the homeland, going back to, to our home place. So, um, as far as how that relates with the uh, with our worldview, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, other than that, and I'm not even really sure that all the Jews are going to go there even before the coming of the Lord. Um, I think one thing I have heard in the past is is actually that um, the fact that very few Jews have ever gone back to Israel since the Babylonian exile. I mean, we're talking. 2,500 years, is actually another symptom of their rebellion. Um, when, let's see here, when, uh, I think Deuteronomy talks about it, Leviticus, actually I think it's in Leviticus more, talks about it towards the, the latter chapters of Leviticus, 28, 29, blessings and cursings. It talks about when I punish you and I, I send you away, then if you repent when you repent or if you repent i will bring you back but if you refuse to repent um i will i will extend your punishment and it it ends up getting extended several times um and then finally the 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 final one that you know i think it's like four times total three or four i can't remember exactly no it's three it's three times and then the fourth time they finally repent, and then he gathers them all back into the land. And so it's actually the, the fact that only a handful left Babylon, left Persia, to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to Israel and rebuild the city, compared to the number that were out, actually out there, the majority of them actually stayed. They, uh, they, you know, in a way, it, it's it's a form of rebellion for them anyway. That that they. Uh, that they didn't, they didn't. Uh, after the seventy years were up, when Daniel was praying, you know, about the seventy years being done and and whatnot, and and you know, basically God came in a way. God came to them and said, "Well, no, there's more." Um, and and it, it talks about seventy sevens, and that's actually that that's related to the curse that it talks about in Leviticus. If you don't repent, I'm going to multiply the punishment by seven. 
And so it was 70 years at first, and then it was 77s of years. <laughs> and so, and then, that, you know, until the, the Messiah would come, and, and that's where we get a lot of that. And then, again, there was a, a you know, as, as we talked about in the Stand with Israel section, again, you know, the, the rejection of the Messiah was, again, a, a symptom that they were continuing to re, you know, rebel, continuing in their idolatry. And so that was extended again. And, and so now we've been... 2,000 years, and here they are coming back into the land again. But again, it's you more and more are making Aliyah because of the persecution that they're facing in Europe, especially right now. But still, the, the just the vast majority of, of Jews are are happy and fine being where they're at and being involved in the world in the way that they are, and they're not really taking up their mantle. They're still not taking up their mantle, and uh, and uh, even the ones who would like to take up their mantle. You know, we're doing it still in a very strong place of arrogance and and whatnot. So there will be another last uh, casting out before the return of the Messiah. So, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's an important thing um, that, that so few, I, I guess this, I guess this, this is, you know, maybe, a, you know, they wouldn't necessarily see it this way, I guess, but, uh, or perhaps some do, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, that so few have made Aliyah, even though there are a lot. I mean, we, there there are obviously a lot of Jews who have gone back up to the country, uh, gone back up to their land. But uh, there's still so many that are out and who have just stayed where they're at. And uh, and so it is it is a, the, the fact that there are so few that have done so is actually still a sign of their rebellion because they are not going back to the land where God said, "Come back here when I have finished." The punishment and they they just continue to refuse to each time so anyway hope that helps a little bit if, if that raises any other questions that'd be great too and and if others have more clarity obviously uh, you know i don't think i have all the answers so all right guys hey richie yeah aliyah is um the return to the land one other significant piece to it is that psalm 120 through 134 are um the psalms of ascent or Psalms of Degrees, it says in some Bibles and uh, some translations. And um, Psalms of the Ascent from the Abyss. The Abyss is what the uh, Targums call it. And the Jews would recite those Psalms, um, you know, right on the heels of the Hallel from the Passover Psalms, 113 to 118. And you got, of course, Psalm 119, which seems to point to, Bob, point to the Messiah bringing the law forth from Zion and, you know, Isaiah 2, Micah 4. And then from Psalm 119, you jump into Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and those psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent. And there are 15 psalms, and each one would be recited as they went up the 15 steps to the temple. Um, they would recite those psalms, and, of course, expecting Messiah to come back um, to come, I should say, to his temple, as Malachi spoke of and other places in the prophets. But, of course, they weren't prepared for his two comings, his first coming. Um, but the Psalms of Ascent yeah, were, were um, in the temple. And, of course, Aliyah would be, let's go back to the land. And it's actually the last phrase in the Hebrew Old Testament, which ends in Second Chronicles instead of Malachi. Uh, the Tanakh, um, the Torah, um, Nevim, and Ketuvim. And it ends with, um, let us go up, Aliyah. That's the last phrase 
in the Old Testament in the Hebrew ordered ordered Bible. Oh yeah, another thought, Richie, is that also Aliyah um, going up has to do with Jerusalem being you know higher in elevation and beautiful in elevation from the Psalms, like Psalm forty eight speaks about. Um, so going to Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord, you know, the temple, the mountain, all that kind of language. That's the idea of going up. And not only that, but Cyrus, you know, was prophesied in Isaiah to come and lead them back up. And, and so the end of Chronicles is the time when Ezra, and Nehemiah, um, and of course Cyrus was appointed by God to be the one that would lead them out of exile. And they would go up to Jerusalem again and reestablish the temple, and you know, which is the mountain of the Lord, um, the picture of Zion to come, um, which obviously Jerusalem will be raised up above all, and everything else will go low and, uh, in the millennial time. And Zion is um, beautified forever. Oh, of course. And then you know, we can also connect. Why do people get so caught up in Aliyah, you know, the idea of the Jews going back to the land is because the assumption is that they're going to be established forever in the land right now. You know, the overwhelming scourge and Jacob's trouble is not accounted for to one more time disperse the Jews. And then they'll finally say, let us go up to Jerusalem and forever they'll be there and all nations will go up to Jerusalem, you know, or not have rain on their land. So that's what's significant about Aliyah. Um, in its final prophetic uh, sense of what it is, is that that's the final restoration. And we know now that over history, there's been many times where there's been attempted or partial aliyahs that were proclaimed by Jews, you know. And obviously, you got the whole Back to Jerusalem movement, which there's all kinds of different sides to the Back to the Jerusalem movement. Some are about uh, more about Kingdom Now stuff, and some more uh, more aligned with. Uh, the covenant, but anyway, um, a little bit more relevance to our day when we think of it that way. Man, thanks, guys. <clears throat> That's awesome, uh, David and Jerem. Man, it's good. It just gives insight, Jerem. I loved all the doing the uh, the Psalms and just how the process by which uh, you know by which the Jews would go, you know, to yeah, just looking for the Messiah, looking for that that return. You know, uh, for them, obviously, it would be the return. Not expecting um, it to be a dual thing, you know. Yeah, he, um, God really wants to um, um, not let us rely on arm of flesh, not not rely on um, strength of man's legs and and things like that. And so that's what Psalm 147, you know, speaks about um, not boasting in the legs of man, but in the one that hopes in His mercy and fears the Lord and. And uh, when it comes down to it, you know, he's going to break the power of the holy people, um, Daniel 7, through the Antichrist. And in the Song of Moses, when, the, when their strength is gone, um, his, he'll rescue, he'll deliver his people. And then, of course, he got the idea of, um, of uh, Jacob's trouble and overwhelming scourge in Isaiah 28. And then um, also, uh, what's that other one? There's another one that talks about. Um, oh yeah, our 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 hope is dried up. Our, our bones are dry, you know the valley of dry bones. Our our hope is dried up is what Israel says. And then the resurrection, my people, come out of your graves. You know uh, the hope of Israel is in knowing their weakness, being brought low, and then they go up to 
back to Jerusalem under the inspiration and strength of the Spirit. Um, really, that's what that's what God's doing um, with people and with Israel as the exhibit A for people to look at. The, um, Paul says in First Corinthians ten eighteen, look to the nation of Israel to learn. You know how they fell and how you can stand firm. Don't think you're standing firm unless you fall, etc. So I think that's the whole scope of of true Aliyah is pointing to that final God-ordained, God-affirmed, um, and, and final restoration. Hey, Richie. How I see Aliyah, it's a present turning back for the Jews in Israel, ordained by God so divinely, but for future judgment, like Jacob's trouble and all that the prophets uh, prophesy, and after that the dispersion and sifting among nations, and coming back uh, for salvation and uh, restoration or resurrection. So it's uh, the, not necessarily the mystery, but how the prophets saw uh, turning back in unbelief, first unbelief, and second, a turning back in faith, repentance, and um, confession that Messiah is Yeshua, Jesus, in Zechariah 12 and other passages. Any confusion, ignorance, or bad uh, interpretation of this brings a tremendous uh, implication how the church and even the world see uh, the present turning back of the Jews in their Eretz, in their land. Uh, so, again, we need to, to have convictions and see clear from the prophets uh, how the things are put on a timeline. And also I think like Dalton Thomas' book, The Controversy of Zion, uh, with Reggie Kelly have a lot of passages exegetical de developed about this Aliyah in unbelief and after that an Aliyah in faith and repentance. Yeah, you knew I, I agree with what you're talking about there. There's a, a lot of um, a lot of view that he's uh, that they're you know they're coming back and and I think even among themselves Jews as well that uh, they're coming back into the land and never to be removed. Uh, I think that's really kind of even at the heart of the never again mantra uh, that's gone on since the Holocaust. You know, the, this is our place. We are safe here. We will not be removed. Um, maybe even feeling the same way that the Jews did before the Babylonian exile in that they uh, they were um, they felt like you know God would not abandon them He would not cast out His temple His people from His land and all that kind of thing and I think there there's probably a lot of the same kind of feeling and also but you know when you talk about the the characteristics of the Aliyah uh, in uh, in righteousness and repentance. Uh, it's it's a universal thing. It's not. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking now about something that's been 70 years in the making. Uh, you know, it's not been blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's not been uh, the, the uh, Messiah of David, the son of David sitting on the throne. So it, it's obviously not. You know, for for, for most in the church, it, it seems like it should be obvious that it's not uh, the, the final one. That it's uh, it's just another one right now that's very similar to the Aliyah made under Cyrus to the Aliyah made 
Um, I guess that's the kind of the last, the last one. So anyway, yeah, just wanted to yeah do agree with you, Yemir, uh, and uh, and Jeremy. I appreciate the insights too that you were giving with regard to the uh, the, the Psalms of Aliyah in uh, 120 through 134 and, and what that's all about and, and uh, yeah and, and what we're looking for. That's uh, good. That's good. Hey guys, I'm kind of coming in late on the conversation, but uh, I just wanted to maybe throw throw a thing out there and see see what you guys think about it because um, you probably have a lot more context than I do for it. But um, just I think the 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 Aliyah, current Aliyah movement, um, at least in this area too, like uh, in the church's relation to it, um, it just seems like so much popular prophecy and uh, everything out there, the way the church is seeing the return to the land is uh, point to it and say, this is the fulfillment of, of the prophetic end of exile and uh, seeing the the present nation as the fulfillment of, of the oracles of the prophets, you know, and, and, uh, and so it kind of becomes like this, uh, major indicator for last day's things, which I think significant as it is, I think it's so important for us to like accurately define it in, in the way that most of us understand and even what you need to say. Um, and so I was just curious what you guys thought about, um, <clears throat> Excuse me, Ezekiel 20, um, with uh, starting in verse 33 through on down, even through like 41. It seems like there's some kind of uh, gathering from the lands uh, with, and it says with wrath poured out, and um, and so it seems like there's some kind of gathering in context of judgment first that results ultimately in in the the gathering in acceptance um, in 41, where where God is setting apart uh, Himself in context to uh, Israel being regathered back to the land, and uh, it's the witness inside of the nations, which kind of echoes Ezekiel 36, that that apocalyptic like gathering, new covenant, um, and the witness to all the nations of God being set apart, and so. And Eunice and I were talking with, uh, we, we actually had a, a chance to talk with um, an Orthodox guy that taught at the yeshiva in Jerusalem about this passage. And he was like even conceding like the the current gathering, although his, his worldview was kind of, uh, he didn't really have a, a radical apocalyptic thing. It was kind of more played out over time, but um he was he was even saying when we were talking with him about this passage that um, it seems like there there is like the gathering process that's happening now, and then God is using <clears throat> going to bring about judgment and and through that there's going to be the the fulfillment of the of the covenant promise for them to be restored to the land. And so I don't know what you guys think, but I. I I would like to hear any thoughts that you have related to this because I just feel like it's um, it's important relating to get, relating to the present Aliyah and and distinguishing that um, from the 
fulfillment of uh, the end of exile and and really having clarity as a church on this um, so that we don't lose sight of relating to God and um, Jacob's trouble and, and what's about to come. And so, anyways, any thoughts you guys have? Be awesome. Hey, David. Um, bro, that's a, that passage is like, that passage is pretty loaded. Richie, um, Aliyah, now, if I understand your original question right, so what's going on is your friend is wondering if we believe what he heard in there, what role do we see the Aliyah movement playing right now? If that was his question, then I would then I would say that David Rickman's last question is probably one of the most relevant to answering that. It's the gathering and unbelief idea, and, uh, and I would say the role it plays in my in my mind, guys, and you know, you guys can whatever have you know chime in on it. But in my mind, guys, I think that uh, I think the significance is. Is um, what's well, it's, there's two parts, two parts to it. There's a, there has to be. It, it's not just that there has to be so that prophecy can be fulfilled. It, it has to do with the witness of God being given to the final generation, so that there's one final opportunity for repentance that will really draw many of them, you know, finally to repentance. But so, like an example would be. Deuteronomy 32, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't have the Bible in front of me, but Deuteronomy 32, where Israel's going to say, some of you might interpret this as Gentiles, I think this section is clearly talking about Israel, but they will say, how how can um, basically one put a thousand to flight if, unless their, uh, unless their rock had given them over? And, um, and so... The point, the point being that um, in a military conflict at the end of the age, because it's clearly a scatological context, that Israel would actually have military superiority over their enemies, and by all means, they should actually have a military advantage and should win a victory easily, and they're going to lose. And it's going to lead them to conclude that they're under judgment from God because it's literally impossible. So I, I think that a gathering of strength is important for that final witness. And likewise, there has to be a gathering of strength or has to be a, a regathering. Just in light of Ezekiel 20, towards the end of the chapter, again, I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have a Bible in front of me, but where when he gathers them again, like like David was saying, and and uh, and he turns his face towards them in kindness, then what happens then is they loathe themselves for all of the evil deeds that they've done. So specifically, referencing the final generation, and there's a there's a collective mourning for deeds that they were engaged in as a group, which wouldn't be possible in context to a dispersion. And um, I don't think it's referencing simply idolatry because it, or, or, or maybe it could be, but it's not idolatry in a scattered way because of the, uh, like David was pointing out, the regathering first. And uh, if you look at the pattern, he's, he's doing a pattern 
from the beginning of Ezekiel 20, he does a pattern of what he did in Egypt and led them through the wilderness and then brought them to the land and they committed idolatry in the land. And then he parallels that with drawing them back out of the nations. Of course, there's a pivotal phrase there, the, the wilderness of the peoples. And um, so he draws them back and... Um, and they enter into, just following the same pattern, they enter into idolatry in the land again. And that's when he causes them to pass under the rod, which that's a, and enter into the bond of the covenant. But that's a really negative connotation. It's, it's from Leviticus 22 where he, um, where he would only accept one in ten of the sheep of the, of the lambs brought in for sacrifice. To be acceptable for God, only like one in ten were acceptable. And so they would pass under the rod, and every tenth one they would accept, and the rest would just keep, they would just go out into wherever. So, um, but the idea of there being a, a, a regathering in strength, and then there being a, uh, uh, some sort of collective sin that's entered into that they acknowledge before Yahweh at the very end, I think that's, it's, it is an important part of their collective repentance, and um, and again, the, the wilderness of the peoples. That's a it's a weird phrase. It's a lot of times in newer translations, it's translated wilderness of the nations, and it's just it's not really a good translation because it because the word am there, not the word goy. It's not goyim. It's ayim, which which is not the word generally translated for Gentile nations, right? It's the word am, as in, um, and many times, not exclusively, but many times it actually refers to the people of Israel, like um, ami lo ami in, uh, in, in Hosea, when he says, you are my people, you who were called lo ami, not my people, I will call you ami, my people. So, so that, that term is not the word and it just at first glance, it's kind of deceiving in, in that translation. It looks like it's part of the word goyim, and it's not. So it's, I will bring you into, or actually I will bring you towards, um, it could be towards or into either way, that, uh, that uh, participle there. And uh, I will bring you into the, the wilderness of the amim, or the, or the people. And another interesting thing is, uh, like you don't often find ha, the, 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 um, the, uh, the article there, the, the, um, definite article, the ha. So the ha, I mean, uh, would be the people. And, um, you don't find it as often with the, uh, because there's not a need to reference that in context to the Goyim because it's just everybody else, nations. And and uh, so the people, uh, I'm, I'm unsure about what the reference means, honestly. Um, so I, a, a lot, you know, of a plain interpretation of that passage, you know, hinges on that and, uh, the, that phrase. But, but uh, anyway, so that's kind of my... Interpretation of that, David, and my thoughts on the Aliyah movement, Richie. Love you guys. <laughs>